Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 102. A couple of housekeeping notes before we kick it off. We are having a ton of fun over in our Facebook community group. So we're trying to ask intriguing questions, trying to talk about things so that we can all grow and all share love and passion for Disney. So we'll leave the link to that group down in our show notes, or you can go to Facebook and search for Detour to Neverland Podcast Community. So pretty small, pretty intimate right now, but we're having a ton of fun and we'd love it if you would join us. Yeah, so today we are talking to our friend Keith Gluck, who we were fortunate enough to actually meet in the parks before getting to sit down and talk with him, which is pretty unique because that doesn't happen like ever, really. So we're talking to Keith Gluck. He works on DisneyProject.com. You can also find him as Disney Project on all forms of social media. So we're super excited to jump into this interview and just find out about all the really fascinating things that Keith gets to work on. All right. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Um, again, my name is Keith Gluck, and I started the Disney Project back in 2011. Uh, it started from, oddly enough, I was looking for something Disney-related, some information, and I Googled it, and some girl's some random blog came up, and I was sort of scanning through it, and it just sort of hit me at that moment. I was like, hey, wait a second. Why am I not doing a Disney blog? Because I'm a lifelong Disney fan, and I've, and I've been a, always been a writer, and I never thought to combine the two. So um, soon after that, I started the Disney Project, uh, just a little uh, modest fan blog. And uh, I'd say maybe about six months later, I started to write for different um, Disney-related fan sites. Like my, the first one I wrote what for was uh, Mice Chat. And then I started writing for the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco, uh, and then All Ears and the Diz. It just sort of took off from there, and it sort of my writing sort of expanded to different outlets. And then I started podcasting and you know doing all the stuff. I tried vlogging, but I'm terrible at it, so I I sort of you know stopped doing that. And um, yeah, it's just it's been really fun, you know, like just sharing my love for Disney and knowledge of Disney history with everybody. Yeah, so to kind of lay the foundation before we jump into everything, you know, what is your Disney story and how has that grown and developed over time? So it all started um, with my mom. Uh, unfortunately, she's no longer with us, but when uh, she was a young child, uh, Disneyland first opened, obviously, in July of 55. Her parents took her and her brother in August of 55, so like a month later. And they were like blown away by it, of course, that there was nothing else like it in the world. So my mom grew up, had kids. My uncle, her brother, grew up and had kids. And um, when we were all born, they took us to Disneyland every year. And we, we all live in the San Francisco Bay Area. So it was uh, you know, a, nice, a nice five, six-hour drive in a, in a family wagon. And um, every summer, every year, we'd go to Disneyland uh, consistently, like consistently. Like my mom was pretty adamant about taking us to Disneyland every year. It was a thing for her and it became a thing for us. So it stuck with me for my whole life. And um, as I got older, you know, and I learned more about the history behind it, and especially about Walt uh, specifically, I just, uh, my love for it grew even more. It was more than just a vacation spot. It was like, you know, sort of like a way of life in a weird way. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know it's a piece that you shared about, especially on your website and your About You section, that really your passion is first and foremost for Walt Disney himself and kind of the parks and the movies are a secondary aspect of that, of appreciating kind of his work. But what is it about Walt's story and the life that he lived that kind of attracts you to him so much? So there are many layers to Walt Disney and they're, each one is more fascinating than the next. And I mean, everybody knows the basic story about like, you know, a, a boy from the Midwest, you know, growing up and basically building this empire. Um, Walt was just such a simple guy and he, he had such a, he was such sort of like a, a, a quiet genius. Like uh, some people do give him credit for being genius. Not a lot of people do. They think of, you know, people like Einstein or whatever, but a lot of people recognize that he was probably one of the greatest storytellers of all time. And uh, a lot of people who don't know um, that a lot of the things that went on behind the scenes, you know, uh, like Walt had a lot to do with a lot of different things. It wasn't just like, you know, he wanted to build a theme park or whatever. It's just had a way of like interjecting uh, his thoughts and ideas into different stories in different mediums and just made them like exponentially better. Like, you know, suggesting this scene in a movie or suggesting this change in a, in a park or whatever. And, um, he was just, he was brilliant. Um, I mean, and a lot of projects that, you know, went away after he passed, that wasn't a coincidence. It was, you know, his creative vision wasn't around and you had this whole team of imaginaries who, who still couldn't do it without this one guy. So, um, and just his whole story really, um, you know, just about his upbringing and what he became. It's just, it's just fascinating to me. And when I was a kid, I remember when we went to Disneyland every year, uh, you know, quickly realizing at some point that, Hey, this place is called Disneyland. You know, this guy, who's this guy, Walt Disney. And when I was a kid, I read a, um, uh, biography. They had a Walt Disney biography for kids and I read it and I was completely enthralled and I wrote a book report about it. And that moment on, it was like, because this one guy was responsible for, I mean, obviously he had tons of help. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, he did it himself, but he's the catalyst for everything. So, I mean, you look at now we have like, you know, uh, six resorts across the world, like 12 different theme parks and this whole, you know, media empire. And it all started from this one guy, you know, like Walt used to say, you know, it all started by a mouse, but you know, everybody else says we really all started with Walt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you can tell just from listening to everything that you said that you really are so passionate about him. And I think it's so interesting hearing your story about how you started um, with writing a book report about his biography. And now to think that you are writing for like the Walt Disney Family Museum. I love how that kind of came full circle. It's the it's the most surreal experience. I can't tell you because I've, I've talked to another I've talked to other podcasts and you know a lot of them ask me about the museum and stuff. And even though I I probably said the story more than once, it, it bears repeating because it's just like like you said, it comes full circle in like the life of a Disney fan. You know, I was a kid going to Disneyland and I was you know writing book reports about Walt, and then eventually writing for the museum. And um, Walt's daughter Diane, she was in charge of approving all the blog posts, so I actually got to have a brief relationship with her before she, she passed. Like we would talk about my articles. I would, I would interview her for my articles. She would uh, tell me there were things in my articles that she had learned from me and, and all these different things. And I never took that for granted. I never once, you know, didn't think oh, this is crazy to myself. Every time I'm talking with Diane Disney, 
um, about her dad and hearing her say words like my dad, uh, I just, I could never get over it. And I, I still can't, you know, and it's, it's, it's unbelievable and it's really humbling and it's, it's, I'm grateful for that uh, every day. Mm-hmm. I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with the Walt Disney Family Museum, but for those who aren't, if you just wouldn't mind sharing kind of what the mission for it is, of course, it's based there in San Francisco. It, if you can just kind of share what the purpose of it is for our listeners. So um, Diane wanted to build this, build this museum for her father. Um, a lot of people, you know, had a lot of questions about Walt and, uh, she was really displeased with the few biographies that came out and painted like a, a somewhat of a darker picture of Walt. And they were either, you know, the authors of those books were either coming to their own conclusions based on things that they researched, or they were flat out, you know, exaggerating or fabricating um, different things about Walt's life. And Diane was getting pretty sick of it. So she wanted to build a museum and sort of like pay tribute to her her father's life, not as just this you know, you know this figure, but as a human, as a as a as a dad and a family man and a grandpa and you know also his work history too. But it's sort of like just the whole life and legacy of her father, and not only his work but his personal life as well. And um, she lived in San Francisco. Uh, her and her husband, Ron, uh, lived in the Bay Area. They have a winery up in Napa. Uh, so she wanted it to be close to her. A lot of people, that's one of the first questions we always get is, why is the museum in San Francisco? Why is it not in you know, Anaheim or Orlando? Well, what, obviously, Diane was the co-founder, and she wanted it to be close to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is definitely a bucket list item for us. We have not had the chance to make it out there yet, but we have watched countless YouTube videos, and I think there's a Netflix documentary too that that mentions so much of the great uh, kind of experiences that you can have there at the museum in San Francisco. Um, So obviously you've kind of taken this passion and you mentioned a little bit in your intro, starting your own blog first and then branching out into all these other different mediums of content, you know, with the blog and podcast and then video a little bit of well. So, Kind of currently, where does your passion lie and kind of what are you putting your time and efforts into? So there are two things I'm doing, working on the most right now. Uh, one of them is um, I do something called the Disney History Minute on, on my Instagram stories uh, every Sunday. Uh, I record um, like it's, it's actually slightly more than a minute. The first one was about a minute, but it's really hard to get uh, – a decent amount of information down to a minute because I, I tried to do that originally and I realized there were huge chunks of major pieces of information that I would have to have cut. And if it was just a minute, it would literally just be like almost like bullet points of facts. So I was like, okay, it's ha- it has to be like a minute and a half, maybe even two minutes, but you know, it's still called the Disney history minute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I do those every Sunday uh, without fail. Um, and so that that's, you know, that's something I'm doing that's fairly consistent right now. Um, other than that, I'm uh, working on a couple of different uh, Disney books. Uh, they're really slow going. One of them I've been work- working on and off for years. The other one I picked up last year, and I'm sort of focusing on that right now, and hopefully I'll have some kind of draft done by the end of this year. Uh, so those are the two things I'm working on uh, the most right now. And I do other stuff too, but those are probably the things that I'm focusing on most. Um, oh, and, I'm, and I still write for the museum. I'm working on an article for them right now. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's all very exciting. And I love that you mentioned the Disney History Minute on Instagram because that is something that we wanted to bring up because that's something that we've really enjoyed kind of watching and following along with um, since we were connected with each other. And you give such good quality information. I mean, when we watch those Disney Minutes, they are things that, I mean, they're good questions. And I think it's really great that a lot of those questions that you're answering come from just things that people are genuinely interested in or have questions about. And they serve as like launch pads for further research. So it's like, all right, I, I have a basis now for something that I can jump into even deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Um, that's one thing that I've always sort of prided myself on was um, – trying to give uh, good information because uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I don't want to sound cynical, but there are a lot of like, you know, sort of armchair historians out there who do a lot of Googling or they might find like one document online and think that's it. But it, honestly, like when you get into becoming like a, a historian and I mean, there are way more out there who are like far, you know, past I am, but um, at least in my uh, view that, you should basically try to get as many different sources as you can. You have, you have cross-reference the sources. You'll be surprised a lot of times if you're doing research about a subject, you look something up, it'll say, you know, this happened in this year or this this Imagineer, you know, uh, designed this section of the ride or whatever. And then you find a second source that will almost completely negate the first source. So that's why you have to go for a source three or even source four and sometimes more. So uh, a lot of times, you know, if I'm short on time, I might only use a couple of sources, uh, but I have a lot of really good material. I have like hundreds of books and I have a ton of old PDFs of old, like, you know, Disney cast member magazines that where they actually interview the Imagineers when, you know, the, the, uh, the thing recently opened, you know, I have, um, like this old Disney periodical, uh, from the month that club 33 opened. And I learned a lot of stuff about club 33, um, from that article Mm -hmm. because, you know, it it came out like there's a lot of times, you know, it's really tough to beat, uh, an interview about that item the month it came out because everything's fresh and the per- the people who worked on it are obviously still alive and so you get a lot of good information and there's there's long been a rumor about what the 33 stood for you know like oh is it the number of lessees in the park is it the address is it the is it, is it Mickey Mouse the three sideways is, is, the, is the shape of his head what blah you know whatever um, and that article flat out said it's the address. So people are putting way too much thought into this. It's literally 33 Royal Street. That's why it's called Code 33. So, um, <laughs> so stuff like that it, to me is, is 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 awesome because you know I, I mean that's another reason why I love doing these Disney experiments because I learn new things. Like I know I know a little bit about a lot of different things, but I obviously don't know everything. So once I do a research for a Disney History Minute, I learn about that thing all over again, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so awesome. So. I'd imagine some of our listeners might be sitting there and say, you know, jumping up and down saying, I have this similar passion. Like I love Walt's story or I love the history of the parks or whatever it might be. And they're curious kind of how do you get started and get that ball rolling in their right direction? I think a lot of people probably take that first step similar that you did of, of starting your own blog and your fan site. But then how do you kind of take those next steps to write for these different outlets or get other balls rolling and connecting with people? Do you have any tips or kind of, you know, experiences that you can share with our listeners to kind of get them started on that right path? So, yeah, my tip number one, and this is uh, the most important tip, is 
focus on the medium that you're best at. Because if if I had started off in 2011, and instead of started off with a blog, if I had started off with a uh, a YouTube channel, or if I started off with a podcast, then I probably would have been like burnt out within a year or two. Uh, I probably you know I probably wouldn't have been getting much engagement. I would have been wondering why am I putting all this time in and nobody's even paying attention. Blah blah blah. Um, and it's not really you know about like you know. It's definitely not about like fame or anything, nothing like that. But you you just want engagement. You want people to, you know, uh, listen to or read the content that you're putting out. Obviously, otherwise it's just going out into the ether. But um, I, because I'm a pretty decent writer, that really helped me at the beginning. Because uh, that's something I've always done ever since I was a kid. I've always I've always written. And I used to, I used to draw when I was a kid, but I'm not a great artist. Um, but I was always a pretty decent writer, so that sort of, you know, helped. Um, and if you or you as in the person who's trying to start out, uh, are thinking about doing something, if you're not a great writer, you know, maybe don't try to do a blog, but maybe, you know, like work on your video skills and do a YouTube channel. Those are really popular nowadays. Um, podcast, you know, if you, I'm, see, I'm terrible with audio. I did like three podcasts uh, at, at once, you know, back in like 2013, 14, I had a bunch of stuff going on, but I wasn't great at it. So it's like. Um, it's just sort of fizzled out for me, but the writing has been consistent because that's the thing I'm really good at. So yeah, if you're trying to start, uh, some kind of like Disney history or Disney, anything Disney, you want to share it with people could be like, you know, merchandise in the parks, you know, or, or like food, the, the food in the parks, whatever, um, to focus what you're best at. And then that will, you know, that will sustain you a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that is such valuable advice. And I think that is a trap that a lot of people fall into that they see this platform like YouTube and they see how expansive it is and, and how, you know, some people have made a living just based on Disney vlogs or, or their Disney videos and you want that success, but you don't necessarily, it's not the right fit for you. So I think that is such a valuable thing to be, you know, self-aware of, to realize where your skills lie and that there's, there's an audience on any of those different platforms that you can choose or any of those different mediums you just got to be consistent with it and, and putting your your time into the things that you're best at so i think that is that's great advice yeah and i i do want to add that doesn't mean you can't do the other stuff because i have been thinking about bringing back my podcast one day i, I might eventually i know it's not going to be great but it'll be fun and I'm doing a vlog right now because when I saw you guys at Disney World um, that weekend, I was doing the deluxe dining plan for one of the days. And I thought, oh, it'd be cool to vlog this and sort of show people, you know, because a lot of people say the dining plan is too much food. It's not worth it, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, I want to I want to try it. I want to chronicle it. So I'm going to have a vlog out about that. It's not going to be great. I, I already watched the footage right now. I'm cringing at it. But whatever. I'll put it out. <laughs> so you can still do other stuff. But I'd say, you know, kind of focus on what you're best at. Yeah, Absolutely. That's, that's great advice. So one of the last questions that we had for you, and then we'll head into our fast pass round, is just talking about, you know, you've obviously been able or afforded the opportunity to interview some amazing people within the Disney community. So the ones that stood out to us, were, of course, for Tom Hanks and then Richard Sherman of the Sherman Brothers, Marty Scalar. Is there anybody still out there that has eluded you or like you really hope to have the chance to sit down with one day? Um, I would love to interview Dick Nunes. Mm. Um, I would love to talk to Dick Nunes. Uh, we would have probably spent an hour alone just talking about hippie day in Disneyland. Um, yeah, 
So I've been really lucky to interview a lot of the Disney legends, a lot of them who work with Walt. Um, you know, a lot of them, unfortunately, are no longer with us. Uh, but as far as the ones who are, definitely Dick. Um, gosh, I'd probably also want to go on the, like, fanboy side and probably interview, like, now that Star Wars is part of Disney, I'd love to talk to Mark Hamill because when I was a kid, Luke Skywalker was... My two heroes, well, besides Walt Disney, I, I guess I had three heroes when I was a kid. It was Walt Disney, uh, Spider-Man, and Luke Skywalker. So I was like, <laughs> if I could talk to Mark Hamill, I'd, I'd freak out. Um, but yeah, in terms of the Disney side, definitely, uh, oh man, I'd love to talk to Nunes. We would talk all day. Yeah, that is awesome. And and that's uh, so awesome that you're able to share that with your readers, because um, I know people enjoy seeing those. And I, something that we have been shocked with, it doesn't exactly fit the format of our show, so we haven't had the chance to yet, but maybe we'll evolve someday. But a lot of those Imagineers and Disney legends are very accessible at this point. I mean, they're very willing to talk with fans and people putting out content. So I think that's kind of been a lesson for us that you never know who you're going to be able to connect with because a lot of those guys aren't as exclusive as you would imagine they might be. And so, I mean, nowadays they are like, yeah, you're right. They're more accessible than ever because of uh, social media and all these Disney fan events. So you guys, you know, you have, if you have a decent product, if you have uh, a certain level of professionalism and you attend one of these events like D23 Expo is coming up very soon and you, you know, you counter like a guy like Joe Rody, like, you know, walking from one, uh, one to set to the next or stopping to get a bite, whatever you could you stroll up to him and say, you know, Hey, Mr. Rody, I really love your work. I'd love to interview you one time. Here's my card. If, if not, I understand, but if, if you would, I'd greatly appreciate it. You can do that to a lot of these guys now because they're going to be at these events with you. They're going to be on social media. They're, you know, like Joe Rody is fairly active on Twitter, you know? Um, so it's like, you can communicate with these people and I'm sure they get bombarded with like, you know, like random Disney nerds all day. And I see it, you know, I see it at the conventions. I see it on social media, like, Oh, fix the Yeti, you know, stuff like that. But <laughs> if you approach them in a certain way and they, they, you know, appreciate where you're coming from and they're, you know, in, in a decent mood, I guess they, a lot of times they'll, they'll be, uh, you know, open to, to talking to you. And that's how I've, I've met a lot of Disney legends. I think when I first met Bob Gurr, it was actually some Disney event. And I told him I was working on a, a piece. I'd love to talk to him. And, that was that was that you know we end up becoming a friend so it's like you just gotta you know approach them and you know just like i said just carry yourself uh, professionally and and hopefully something good will come of it yeah awesome well keith i thank you so much for sharing kind of all the projects the disney project that you've worked on um, <laughs> up to this point because i think it's so helpful for our listeners who are maybe looking to follow a similar path um and, and so i think that's so helpful to share your experiences um, and, and hopefully guide someone in the right direction. But before we head into our fast pass round, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our partners. In the chaos of Instagram and Pinterest, it is sometimes hard to get noticed by a new audience. Having the right picture from the parks to accompany your content or product can be the difference maker in gaining that extra bit of exposure. Our friends at the Photo Reserve have a wonderful solution where you can gain access to high-quality, professional Disney photos to use for that extra boost. To learn more information and to get six completely free photos, head to reportthemagic.com forward slash detour or hit the link in our show notes. 
Good deal. So we're back. So Keith, now we're ready for our fast pass round. So we're just going to throw out these Disney topics. And I'm very interested to hear your answers for some of these since you have <laughs> so much experience in the parks. Um, and you will just get, allow our listeners to get to know your Disney fandom a little bit better. All right. Let's do it. So the first one's an easy one. It's just name the Disney parks that you visited. It's an easy one for most people. Maybe not for you, though. <laughs> Uh, I, well, it's easy if I don't have to name them all because I've been to all of them. So I don't want to take up too much of the time. But yeah, I've, I've been to every park in the world. So the way that we phrase the next one is what is your favorite and why? But maybe I'm going to change that a little bit. If you only have one day to visit one park, which one are you going to? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I, I need more context. Are we talking like the rest of my life or is it like just like one random day in, in a year out of my life or what are we talking? Yeah. Let's just say one random day out of, out of a year. <laughs> uh, okay. If it's one random day out of a year and I'll be able to go to the other ones later. Um, oh wow. Even that's hard. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> Tokyo Disney sea. Mm. Not surprised. Gorgeous. <laughs> Gorgeous. Yeah, honestly, I, I was going to say it depends on my mood because, uh, Mystic Manor is one of the best attractions in the history of theme parks, and if I'm really missing that at that particular day, I'd say Hong Kong. But Tokyo Disney Sea is such an amazing park; it's it's unbelievably gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Jealous. Hopefully, we'll yes. get there someday. Have to. So, I guess thinking towards you know the future or something that maybe you haven't done yet, what would be your Disney bucket list trip? Uh. Wow, would it be pretentious to say that I've already done it? Um, <laughs> uh, in 2017, uh, me and a couple of my buddies did all of the Disney Asia parks in one trip, and that was sort of um, that was my bucket list trip. Because uh, obviously, I've been to both the, the American parks, and um, I mean, I have an annual pass to Disneyland Paris, so I get to go there fairly often. Uh, but I wanted to do after Shanghai opened. I wanted to wait. I didn't want to go when Shanghai first opened. I wanted to wait a little bit, so we waited like about 10 months. And we did Hong Kong, Shanghai, Tokyo, and that was that was a really awesome trip because you know not only are the parks amazing, but like the food out there is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Have you done an Adventures by Disney trip by chance? Uh, you know, I have not. Um, people keep telling me that I should look into that. Uh, I do a lot of traveling, uh, but I, I one of the, my favorite things about traveling is planning, mm-hmm. and I feel like the doing the Adventures by Disney sort of takes that part of it away from me but i still do want to do it one day just to cross it off but i have not done one yet yeah good answer so next one would be your favorite disney resort or hotel and it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've stayed at this one is also hard because i've stayed at so many and i love many for different reasons um gosh i guess on the spot i'd probably have to say beach club because that's my home resort and there's just that feeling you get when you're at Epcot Center, you watch Illuminations, it closes down, and you have like a three-minute stroll back to your hotel, and you, you get to pass by Crescent Lake, and all the lights are up You're on the boardwalk, and you see the lights shimmering off Crescent Lake. It's just a beautiful walk home, and you know and you know you go to sleep, and you wake up in the morning, you're three minutes away from Epcot, right? So I'd probably have to stay at the beach club right now. Mm, that does sound amazing. I know we just talked about that, how Brendan wants to stay like at one of those resorts and exclusively go to Epcot for the whole trip just so he can only have to walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also the Epcot resort's only like a 10 minute walk from Hollywood Studios too. So it's 
that's another good thing about that area is like it, both resorts are walking distance, but obviously it's much closer. Yeah. Yes. So this next one, if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which one would it be? So, all right, that's an interesting one because my favorite attractions don't necessarily need fast pass. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know what I'm going to say? This, I don't know if this is cheating. I'm going to say the upcoming Spider-Man ride in California Adventure. Ooh, that is because, a good one. Yeah, because I'm an enormous Spider-Man fan, and I think that one's going to be – I don't think it's going to be an Omnimover. So I think it's going to probably be one that's going to require Fast Pass, and it's probably going to be popular for a long time because of Marvel Studios. Uh, and I love Spider-Man almost more than anything. So I'm going to say the, that's the Spidey ride. That's a good one. And that's a very that's very forward thinking. Well, because uh, you think about it, like my favorite attractions are like, you know, uh, Carousel of Progress, uh, the American Adventure, you know, things like that. Uh, and Spaceship Earth, and even that doesn't get, you know, too bad. Um, so, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I love the e-tickets, but for the rest of my life, if I only had my choice of one, it, it, it would be uh, something like, yeah, I had to see Spidey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pumped for that one. So, oh, yeah. So next one, um, so maybe a, a hot topic, but which ride or attraction do you think is due for an exit or a refurbishment from the parks? Uh, refurbishment, I can actually answer both. Refurbishment, I would say actually Carousel of Progress. I think it's time to update the last scene. I, I, I understand it's kitschy at this point. It's cute hearing about car phones and um, laser discs, but uh, that attraction is the, uh, out of all the remaining attractions that Walt was tied to, that one is far and away the most Walt. Um, I know the company's keeping it around because it still does decent numbers, but, you know, they should really sort of show it some love and, and you know, I mean, the resort is called Walt Disney World, you know, and the attraction is called Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. So, you know, give it some love, throw some money at it, uh, fix the creaking side stages that, you know, rotate and, you know, just spray some WD-40 in there, like do something. <laughs> give that attraction some love. Um, as far as exiting, I'm going to say all of Dinoland USA needs to go. Ooh. Okay. What would you needs- put there instead? Anything else. <laughs> uh, 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 a restaurant, uh, a shop, <laughs> trees, anything else with Dinoland. I, uh, Dinoland USA is sort of a, a big uh, pain point for me. Mm, gotcha. I would, I would agree with that. I mean, if they put Beastly Kingdom in there, I'm, That'd I'm be nice. down anything i'll take a i'll take restrooms i'll take like you know <laughs> elaborately themed restrooms that's hilarious so the next one this is our favorite portion of the questions um but what is your favorite snack or just a go-to snack mm. uh well the go-to is obviously the dole whip because it's it's you know often warm in anaheim uh but my favorite actually would probably be a Bengal barbecue skewer. Mm. Those are those are really good because it's really hard to eat healthy in Disneyland sometimes, you know. And and there were a few years where I was like trying to be strictly paleo, and I, I've I've since abandoned that. But um, a lot of times when you're hungry, and if you're somebody like me who eats like every hour, or not every hour, every like two hours, um, and you don't want to have like you know 
uh, a full on meal, but you also don't want to have like a cookie or a muffin. Like just going go to Bengal barbecue and grabbing a quick skewer that really does sort of tide you over for a couple hours, and they're and they're delicious too. So that's a really good go to snack in my opinion. Yeah, good choice. That is a good one. We enjoyed that when we went. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next one would be your favorite table service and favorite quick service restaurants. Oh man, um, are we talking like? Food wise or ambiance wise or I guess just overall, huh? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess just overall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, see, that one's hard too because I like the table services. The quick service is actually the harder one because there's so many of those, and you know, like a gosh, I'm I'm trying to go through all the resorts now in all the world. <laughs> um, I mean, so I like I love Casa Grays because I love I love to watch Sunny Eclipse and I love. Uh, Colonel Hathi's uh, outpost in Paris because it's it's sort of like eating in the tiki room because they have birds above you and that was as you know the tiki room was meant to be a restaurant it wasn't going to be an attraction so that's kind of that gives me the tiki room vibes uh, it's really cool eating in Toad Hall in Paris like you know you're actually in Toad Hall that's but the food's not great so it's uh gosh I don't know oh 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 okay Plaza in Disneyland amazing fried chicken oh yeah. Ooh, yeah, we're big fans of that. And we've only yeah. been once. <laughs> the Amias isn't as cool as some of the other places I mentioned, but it's still elegant. And, you know, it was there, you know, it was around since the Walt days. So um, that area obviously was. So um, I guess I'll say the positive. Gotcha. Any table service come to mind? Uh, that one's also hard. But the first thing that pops to my mind is uh, is Chefs de France. Because I love I love Paris and it, it it they definitely captured the Parisian vibe in there. So yeah, that's a good one. So next one, I don't know if you meet many characters, but it's your favorite character meet and greet moment. I don't do a lot of character meets, but um, there was one time when I was in DCA and uh, I was wearing a Spider Man shirt and I met Spidey. And the the guy who was playing Spider Man, this young kid, uh, like did his research and knew about Spider Man. He wasn't just like you know punching the clock. He must have been a Spider fan too because he knew about Spider Man's history and um, he even sort of tried to sound like him. Like one of the first things he said to me was, "Hey, buddy, nice shirt." Like he, he talked just like Spider Man talking. I I sort of geeked out for a moment. I was like. I felt stupid afterwards because I was probably like twice this kid's age, but I was, ta- <laughs> I was talking to him like he was Spider-Man and I had just come from a trip to New York and I was like, Oh, I just came back from Queens. And he's like, Oh, that's where, that's where I'm from. I was like, I know. I said, I said, I, when I was walking around downtown, I kept looking up and I was like, I was trying to picture where, you know, how you would swing. Like, you know, I was walking down in midtown. I was like, Oh, if he, was, if he came from this way, he could swing. And he's like, yeah, he's like a lot of times, like I scope out my little swing patterns and everything. It's funny because for a split second there, like I totally forgot I was talking to a, a cast member, and it was just I was a, I was a kid talking to Spider Man, and I really after after that I really got a kick out of that experience. That was really neat. Mm-hmm. That is so fun. So this next one could kind of be a doozy depending on how you look at it, but it's your favorite Disney movie, and that can include all the Disney umbrellas. Uh, that's that's actually the easiest one, uh, Pinocchio. Oh. I don't think we've had Pinocchio before. No, so what is it about Pinocchio? Because that one kind of creeps me out. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't like the donkeys. Yeah, well, you would definitely want to read the original story then because the original version, the actual fairy tale, uh, 
Pinocchio kills Jiminy Cricket. Um, what? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think, in my humble opinion, I'm far from an animation expert. Like, out of all the Disney history stuff I've done, I've definitely written about uh, some of the animated films, but less so than Walt or the Parks. So there are people out there who know way more than I do. But I can tell you just as a Disney fan and a film fan that I, Pinocchio is the most beautifully animated film ever made. Um, I remember when I was a kid, this was way before I ever started doing any of this history stuff. I, I had like a, like a Disney art book or a Disney movie book or whatever. Uh, they talked about the different films and one of them was Pinocchio. And I remember very vividly, I don't, I don't remember what this book was. I wish I could find it to this day. I have hundreds of books and I, I, it's not in any of them. It was a book that showed uh, the Pleasure Island scene and they showed uh, a close-up of the pool table that they they were playing pool on, and in one of the corners of the pool table, there was a little rip uh, near the one of the pockets, and it was just to me, you know, like who's gonna see that, right? But the animators took such care uh, in that you know scene in that film, and and you watch it now, and you know it's it's, and there's that one shot when I think it's the day Pinocchio's going to school, and they're using the multiplane camera, like the camera is of other village and then it zooms in and then it pants to the left and then it zooms through like a, an opening in a, uh, one of the buildings and everything. And that shot alone, I think costs like 50 grand for that one, like 30 second shot. And that's like, this is like 1939, right? You know, the film came out in 40, but they're doing it in 39. And, um, like so much care, attention and heart was put into that film. You know, I mean, if you don't love the story, I, I do like the story, but, uh, I think it's, it's undeniably the greatest animated film of all time. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I was going to say, it makes me have to, I, I need to go back and watch it now so I can appreciate those little things. Yeah. It's, yeah, and it's hard too because I've rewatched it again recently and I will fully admit that, you know, because nowadays, you know, you have like these movies, you know, like they're a lot more adventurous and fun. There's a lot more humor. Uh, I, admittedly, Pinocchio is not the, the, the funniest animated film, but it's kind of tragic. You know, a lot of bad stuff happens. Um, so if, if you look at it from that, you know, it's not going to be fun like Tangled. Like you watch Tangled and, you know, every time he's sword fighting with the horse, I, I crack up every time. Um, <laughs> so it's like, it's not nearly as fun as some of the more modern movies because a, a movie like Pinocchio, a story like Pinocchio probably wouldn't play these days. But if you appreciate it for what it was, you know, and, and, and again, just look at the animation and just look at the detail and, and the music. And a lot of people don't talk. Like when people ask me, like, what's my favorite soundtrack? You know, a lot of people say, oh, like, I like Aladdin. I like, you know. Uh, Beauty and the Beast or whatever. For me, it's still Pinocchio because like they have some amazing uh, songs in there. Like and the score is gorgeous. And obviously, when you know when you wish upon a star, it's the greatest Disney song of all time. So, I mean, it has an amazing soundtrack as well. So I think you're reading ahead in our notes. Our next question <laughs> is your favorite Disney song. Is it When You Wish Upon a Star? Yeah, it has to be just because you know that's the that's the Disney song, right? And so whenever I hear that song, there's a lot of songs that you hear. You know, like whatever small world or whatever oh that's disney but like there's no song that you hear and think that's disney more than when you wish upon a star um it's used so much it's, you, you can hear the melody when you walk underneath the castle in disneyland you know um so they used it when they introduced the um the disney films you'd see the little castle forming you hear that's the you know so it's like yeah that's the disney song but i mean if i were to say something else uh great big beautiful tomorrow that's a pretty awesome song too mm-hmm. Do the cruise ships still do the When You Wish Upon a Star melody whenever they blow the horn when they leave port? Uh, I've never done a Disney cruise. I feel I, like some of them do. I think they did because we were parked next to one 
on our last cruise when we went on a different cruise line. But uh, oh, okay, that, that would be fun. cool if they did that. Yeah, yeah, I think they do. Yeah. So next one would be your favorite Disney quote. It can either be from Walt himself or from any of the movies. Um, there was a time that Disneyland sold these uh, little miniature coffee table books. Like they weren't like full on bound books. There's little like sort of like pamphlets almost. Um, and they were selling them for 25 cents. And uh, they cost 24 cents to make. And uh, somebody who was in charge of marketing those uh, came up to Walt and was telling him, hey, these things are, you know, we should probably up these a little bit, like, you know, 30 cents, 50 cents, whatever, because, you know, we're only making a penny on them. Like, it's not, it's not even worth our time. Um, and Marty Sklar was there. That's how I heard about the story. Marty, uh, I can't remember if Marty told me directly or if I was there at a, a thing that he was telling it to, but I remember hearing it from Marty a couple of times. Um, and Walt looks at the guy and says, not everything we do has to make money. Mm. And even though that might not be like a famous Walt quote, the fact that Walt said that, that sort of, you know, emphasizes that Walt wasn't about just money. Walt was about providing a good experience a good show for people. And also I mean, that, that was a smart business move too, because these people are buying these things and they're taking them home. They're putting them on their coffee table and their neighbors are coming over and like, what's this? Oh, this is that new park design. Oh, this looks really cool. I want to go. So, you know, it was like, you know, it was advertising for his park, but the fact that Walt said that to me, I think is really cool. And I always think of that quote when, you know, people talk about Walt, something like that, maybe a famous one, but I, I like the fact that Walt said that. Yeah, that is a really good one. And that's a fun story too. That's probably something that a lot of people haven't heard. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I can't remember if Marty wrote about it. Marty's, Marty's written two books. I can't remember if he's mentioned it there, but I've heard him tell that story a couple of times, and I, each time I, I loved it. Mm -hmm. So the last question for the Fast Pass round um, is just, what is your favorite Disney Parks memory? Uh, we're talking years and years and <laughs> thousands of visits. This, uh, this one would be tough. I guess I would have to say it'd have to be sort of general because i've had so many great like moments especially recently like you know with you know doing the disney project stuff and meeting these cool people and doing like you know run disney races and running through the park when it's empty and all these cool experiences but i guess because i owe everything i owe all my disney stuff to my mom i remember as a kid a very vivid you know specific memories of being in disneyland you know with my mom and the tisha terrace restaurant in disneyland uh which is now the uh, tropical hideaway uh, that was my favorite restaurant. And so that was for me, like being a kid in the eighties, going to Disneyland when Tomorrowland was still a world on the move. You had the Skyway, you had the people mover, you know, the rocket jets were in their normal place. Uh, that sort of era of Disneyland. So being in eighties Disneyland and getting to go to the teaching terrace with my mom, uh, like if I can, if I can recreate any Disney moment, I'd probably go to that because, you know, that was sort of like my childhood. Mm. Yeah. That's a good one. That is a very good one. Awesome. Well, Keith, that concludes our Fast Fast round. Our very last question that we just like to throw out there that we ask all of our guests before we end it is, what is one piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who's looking to jump into this community, either as a content creator or maybe they want to open up their own shop, but they're wanting to put something out there Disney-related? What would be your advice to that person? Have integrity. Um 
don't do this just for any sort of like notoriety or or like quote unquote fame or like me like I understand that there are some people out there who who do that. There's people in this community right now who are actually thriving and they're not like real Disney fans. And there's, there's no way, you know, that you can like sort of prevent all those people from thriving because there's people like that in the world. But if, if, if I had somebody come up to me and ask me for advice, I would say, you know, if you're a real Disney fan and you want to like share your love with Disney um, and there's nothing wrong with like, you know, getting something out of it obviously you want to get compensated for your time that's fine but like don't do it just for that like walt said not everything has to be about the money you know just be you know have integrity and like don't try to like like just take advantage of people and and you know like there's a lot of like these quote-unquote influencers out on instagram who are just terrible people and i've met so many people over the years a lot of them were great but a lot of them were just bad people and it's like you know it you just try to try to be a, a bright spot in the community um you know and just try to conduct yourself with integrity and you know you know it's just i don't know be a good person <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good that's a good way to put it you know like be the person who does it right you know we've talked so many times that people have started to catch on to that, or especially now with so many different forms of social media, for the most part, I mean, you can tell like who's authentic and who's genuine and who is genuinely just trying to share their love for Disney. So I think that's always good advice. I mean, just for anyone, always just be a good person. <laughs> yeah. It's hard for me because I'm the, I'm sort of the extreme case on the opposite end because I, I've been doing this stuff for so long and I like I never make any money off this stuff like you know like like the, the museum like this all volunteer work like these these places don't pay me. I did I did write an article for WDW magazine last year and they pay a small stipend but I actually requested that they give that stipend to uh, an animal shelter um, I sell Disney t-shirts uh, but 100% of the profits go straight to an animal shelter you know so it's like I'm sort of fortunate, you know, where I'm at in my life where I don't need like this little quote unquote Disney money. So I'm fine with everything I earn, I just give away. Uh, there, I'm sure there are people out there who are less fortunate who might need that. So I don't mean to sound condescending, but you know, just you could still, you know, do things for some sort of conversation, but you, that doesn't mean you don't, you can't have integrity too. You know, that's really my, my main, and even things like I said, like doing all those different uh, reference checks, like, you know, like, uh, as a writer, you know, checking three, four, five sources, that's like, you know, that's the thing that you need to do because you don't want to be putting out false information. You know, there's a lot of these sites out there, I'm sure you've seen them on Twitter, who just like will post like like rumors and stuff just for the click. You know what I mean? So it's like, just don't be that guy. Uh, you know, just try to conduct yourself with integrity. And um, even if you're trying to get compensation, that's totally fine. Just use integrity and people will appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that is excellent advice. Uh, and I think it's so applicable to, to anybody kind of looking to, to get started and, and trying to set, you know, getting started on the right foot and doing it the right way. So yeah. Keith, I thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful chat. Um, one last thing, if you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you online. Everything now is uh, Disney Project. Uh, so I used to have a the in there, but it's been dropped. So Instagram, Twitter, is at Disney Projects, um, and my website is DisneyProject.com. I haven't updated in a while, but I will again, I promise. Um, and my YouTube channel is, I guess, YouTube 
dot com slash decent project. Again, I haven't updated that, but I will. Uh, but yeah, mainly Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can find me at Disney. Perfect. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Keith. We have really had a blast chatting with you today. Thank you. I had a good time, you guys. Do you like Star Wars? How about Marvel? How about Disney? If you answered yes to any of these, we'd love to have you listen to our new podcast, Kingdom Malcast. We're just three guys chatting about news, topics, and events in the Disney universe. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.